0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Back to a Better World. This is your host, Mitchell J. Rabin. And I'm very glad you're joining us again today. And we're going to be continuing our continued uh, investigation, research, and education for you, the audience, and myself into different modes, alternative modes of healing. And I use the word alternative only because these that we speak on at this show are not often um, accepted by uh, mainstream medicine unfortunately and it's very much to millions and millions of people's uh, deficit and one of the leaders is our guest today, Dr. Bernie Siegel who I have been a fan of ever since I heard of him decades ago Bernie Siegel has been a pioneer in bringing forth well, as I said in the newsletter, love, heart, and compassion back into medicine, where unfortunately there was a divorce some time ago, and instead of heart and love and compassion, it was replaced by medication, surgery, and a rather distanced so-called professional attitude. <clears throat> Bernie Siegel has been one of the real Forerunners in uh, re establishing bedside manner, if you will, and going much, much further than that in coming to understand some of the mechanisms of disease and using very innovative, creative ways of re enlivening, quite honestly, cellular activity, the immune system, empowering the body to defend itself against any number of different kinds of ailments of course primarily he has been dealing with cancer over the course of decades he retired from general and pediatric surgery in 1989 and has since dedicated himself to humanizing the medical establishment's approach to patients and empowering them to induce their own healing his best-selling books include peace love and healing and 365 prescriptions for the soul. He's a sought-after speaker. He's internationally renowned, and this will be Bernie's second time on A Better World Radio with me, and I'm very pleased to have you on today. Bernie, again, it is a pleasure. Good to have you.
2: Thank you, Mitch. Good to be here. What a pleasure. Last month we had our latest book come out, The Art of Healing, which contains 70 drawings, because I, I, for so many years, have wanted to show, again, when you talk about what, you know, I always say you get a medical information, you don't get an education, and it's yes. so limited and disease-focused. But, um, you know, it's to share how mind and body communicate, uh, things like Carl Jung interpreting a dream and diagnosing a brain tumor. Yes many years ago. I mean, <clears throat> you know, medical students should be told those things so they communicate You're with right. patients in a different way. You're
1: right. Bernie, as a matter of fact, I'm, I've been wondering to, and wanting to ask you, um, with all of your good work, including the, the art of healing here, uncovering your inner wisdom and potential mm. for self-healing, the fundamentals of the work you've been doing have been consistent through the years. Have you been teaching at medical schools in the United States
2: or uh, elsewhere
1: during this time?
2: Well, occasionally students will ask, you know, me to come and speak. Um, yes, but As the a sad speaker. part, real—I mean yeah. this because they just Yale, of course, has a medical school where I live, New Haven, Connecticut. Of New course, Haven. sure. A- you, a that's where you worked for so many years. Yeah. yeah, another university, Quinnipiac, just started a medical school. I sent Uh-oh. them both, um, you know, a note saying, hey, if you want me to come over, especially with a new school, you know, to yeah. talk to students. I mean, to focus them of course. on on people and caring for people. And, you know, you get a note back, um, we'll let you know, or, or you don't even get an answer back. Um, I asked my publisher to send both deans a copy yes. of my latest book. But, yes. You know, because I have dealt with this Again, as you were mentioning, for decades where I would write to yeah. the deans of medical schools where I had worked or was trained and say sure. that you made me a good technician, but you didn't teach me how to take care of patients or myself. You know, my feelings <laughs>
0: too. And yeah, it right. took 50
2: years to get an answer. I mean it. The deans wouldn't even answer. I mean, they didn't even send me a form letter oh saying, thank you for your comments. You know, and and I and I wrote to the latest dean because I have a new dean yeah. now at Cornell in New York, where I went to school. Yeah. And um, I said um, nobody has ever answered this because I kept it in the computer all these years. Yes. and I sent it to her, yes. and she sent me a you know a little note back. So you know at least yeah. I got an answer because I said you know what what does the, the, the school publicize our research? You know, and and all yes. the wonderful things that we are doing, it is, sure. you know, how about saying the students we're training to be wonderful doctors and care for people, um, you know, rather than focus on what impresses everybody. They even, I'll tell you something that bothered me, that and I don't mean that the people did it for the wrong reasons, but it was Cornell Medical you know, College um, in yes. Manhattan, New York City. Mm-hmm. It is now called Weill Cornell, W-E-I-L-L. Why? Because the Weill family donated an enormous amount of money to the school, so they and that wasn't Andrew Weill. yeah, of the school. No, oh no, but no, you know truly, that's the course. part. I, I, you know, really, if I were running the school or or Cornell, I'd say, folks, yeah. I'll name a building after you. You know, exactly. I mean, but if you want
1: not to help the entire institution, not yeah, any, but, but uh, that, an old it doesn't happen. Your institution medical yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh my word! But even while I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, but even more uh, concerning to me is that a man of your caliber, if you don't mind my saying, I don't blush, please. But you know, for those of us who have been around for quite a while, Bernie, you have been truly one of the great pioneers in speaking up and out about what the real nature of healing is in your experience. You've always been humble, you've always been modest, but you've always been outspoken and you have a track record with your exceptional cancer patient group that was at Yale New Haven for decades. With you have Mm -hmm. so many credentials that a medical school should be they should be chasing you for the honor yeah. to have you on their faculty.
2: Yeah. I have I'm to serious. say there are some schools yeah. that do call me and say, Would you come and speak to the students and the staff? And yeah. I go. Yeah. But
0: right. but I
2: i in, in a sense what I felt was that those in your community it's almost like there's conflict and jealousy. You know, that yes, you're more likely indeed. to get called to go to another community, another city yes. than you are to be yeah. asked to do something. Now, years ago, one of the physicians in town retired and became the chaplain at the Yale Medical School.
0: He Mm -hmm.
2: asked me to come, and he and I used to have a class, you know, like a lunch hour kind of class where the students would come and we'd all share and talk. But when he retired as the chaplain, you know, it's also goodbye, Bernie. Um, yeah and, oh, right uh, right oh yeah. that's
1: funny that's a good maybe right. we can make a Broadway show out of that
2: <laughs> yeah that's well I always say yeah. my life could be a wonderful movie but um, right exactly you know it, well it, it, I hear again. you well I'm, I
1: I wish I could recommend that I, I I myself who am a as you know a holistic psychotherapist acupuncturist hmm. and stress management consultant have really had the burning wish. Uh, That was no pun intended, by the way, to uh, teach at medical school, bedside manner, the psychological dimension of relating to a patient. I can pretend I know nothing about medicine formally as it's practiced, but the psychological and emotional dimensions, I'm very familiar with that terrain, as are you.
2: We're not, not taught how to communicate with patients. You know, Not at all. And, and uh, one of our kids did something at school that, and a picture of this is in the book too. He yes. wrote the word words on a canvas, words, 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 with no space between them. And I realized they became swords. And when he brought that home oh. to school, it was like therapy to me. I realized you can kill cure people with a knife or words. And so That's I, right. I have an article on my website called "Deceiving People into Health." You know, you don't have a course for doctors or nurses on how to communicate with patients so you don't, you know, scare them and induce trouble. um, Correct. That you give them, you speak to them in a way that enhances their ability to heal And, uh, you know, I I had to learn, again, that the mind is incredibly powerful. You know, you talk also, uh, you know, as a psychotherapist. When I wrote my first book, Love, Medicine, and Miracles, I sent a copy of it to Carl Menninger, the psychiatrist, to get his opinion. He wrote back saying, Bernie, I was about to write a book called Ten Hopeless Cases. These are ten (laughs) people who are alive and well today who are supposed to be dead, but I'm not going to because you wrote it. What a hell of a statement. See, And that's, the, the, again, the discrepancy that I saw that when I wrote articles, uh, because I thought I was discovering incredible things, okay? I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't know that whole world. So I thought, oh, boy, look what you're discovering with dreams and drawings and everything else. And I yeah. wrote articles in medical journals. And it came back saying it's interesting, but it's not appropriate for our journal. I sent them uh-huh. to where it's appropriate. came back again. This is a psychotherapy, you know, world. And they sent yes. it back saying, Yes, it's appropriate, but it's not interesting. We know all this. I thought, what is going on here? You know, they yeah, know right. it all. But why didn't anybody teach it to me? Why did I have yeah, to think right. that I was uncovering or medical students You know, students the unknown. Know. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. And let's let's come standard.
1: back to the book. Let's come back to the Book Bernie, where
0: right. you
1: do put those wonderful drawings of patients into them and you are using, uh, engaging them in, of course, what's broadly referred to as um, art therapy. But the results that you have gotten have shown very, very definitive um, medical results. And I yes. like the way you emphasize, not only do their bodies get better, but their heart and soul and sense of meaning gets better. Could you expand on this notion?
2: Well, it's coming from them. Let's put it that way, if you know what I yes. mean. It's not me I judging do. them or criticizing. So when they draw a picture, um, I can question them about it. I mean, some, like numbers, relate to, this, to meaning in your life. And so well, when Give the whole idea comes, of
1: what – give the, the idea of the, the purpose of
2: engaging a patient with a crayon well, or with – Well, to help – let hey, me say What's this, the idea the behind basic, it? The basic yes. idea that I learned was there is intuitive or unconscious wisdom, whatever you want to label it, and sure. there is intellectual wisdom, you know. So mm-hmm. when people say to you, do you want to have this treatment? Uh, you know, or even where do you want to go for dinner? It doesn't matter. Any choice or question. What kind of Uh job do you want? Um, There's an intellect that may say, oh, yeah, that's the right thing to do. But if your intuitive side says, no, I don't want to do that, that isn't the right thing for me, then you Mm -hmm. will be in conflict and have trouble whether you're going to dinner or having chemotherapy, radiation, or an operation. So by saying (laughs) to people, draw a picture, I got... To see their inner wisdom and share it with them. So a patient who says, I don't want a certain treatment, may draw a beautiful picture. I mean, because they don't know what the colors mean or, you know, it's it's like a dream. It's just this symbolism comes out. And then there are other people who are going through something and say, I don't understand why I'm having all this trouble. Well, if you draw the devil giving you poison, you're going to have a problem, you know. (laughs) Or you're in an empty operating room with nobody caring about you. So I would help people also change their image by using guided imagery and meditation and viewing what they wanted to happen, happen. And let me, let me just take one little, you know, I might say anecdote, so people understand sure, the power please. of the mind. That A radiation therapist said to me he was feeling awful because he just inspected the machine and found out that there was no radioactive material in it, that they had repaired it a month ago, nobody had put it back. And he said, I feel terrible. I haven't treated anyone. I said, excuse me. You don't know what you're telling me. He said, I'm telling you I feel terrible. I said, look, think about this. If you weren't treating anybody, don't you think you would have known it in a week or two? I said, so all of your patients were acting as if they were receiving treatment. They were getting red skin. They were having their tumor shrink. So you Mm -hmm. thought they were, and his eyes almost popped out of his head because it never occurred to him. That, you know, everybody was hypnotized in a sense and (laughs) acting as if they were being treated. And that's when you really get impressed by how much the The power of the mind plays. So you want to know what is going on, as I say, at both of those levels, your intellectual and your unconscious wisdom, so to speak, that knows clearly at at a deeper level what is the right thing for you to do. And the images and the dreams present that. Because then, you know, I say especially, you go to sleep, your intellectual mind is turned off, and then comes forth the wisdom. And I really feel that's the purpose of sleep. I know that may sound crazy to people, but I always say sleep is a dangerous thing to do. People break into your home, you know, a few centuries ago, (laughs) if you were sleeping in a cave, a tiger could come in and have you for dinner. So, you know, and, and animals understand that, that they're... Yeah. They don't sleep very long, or sleep on their feet, you know. But yeah. I think as human beings, we need that sleep to really know who we are and become aware of that inner wisdom.
1: It allows exactly that other aspect of our psyche to flow outward that's right. otherwise <laughs> not accessible during the waking beta wave brain wave day that we're in. Yeah, or if, with, you if know? you're
2: thinking yeah. all the time, I call it closing the lid, you know, if all you yeah. do is worry and think, then, then again, that unconscious wisdom can't get through because you're exactly. busy thinking and worrying and, you know, you don't want to pay attention to your dreams and all that crazy. But when you quiet your mind and let the lid off, you know, doing some meditation, some guided imagery, and you're saying, hey, I'm ready, come on out, then these incredible symbols come forth. And can be can life-saving, forth. too, because, That's right. as I said, the body can speak to you. I mean, in, I have a previous book called The Book of Miracles. A lady went to sleep. In her dream, a woman walks in, tells her with an accent, and a woman who also had darker skin, says to her, you have a lump in your right breast. You need to get it checked. She woke up, felt her breast, found a lump, went to the hospital the next day, They diagnosed um, breast cancer. They said to her, the doctor who will be taking care of you and your treatment will be coming in in a few minutes. The door opens. Into the room comes the woman doctor from India with an accent that was in her dream. Mm. Now, you ask, how the hell does that happen? Well, it does. You know, we know past, present, and future. They're all in the drawings. Because as Jung again said, the future is unconsciously prepared long in advance and therefore can be guessed by clairvoyance. Well, you don't need to go to a mystic to read your unconscious. You can draw a picture and have a dream and it will tell you.
1: Exactly. We are speaking with Dr. Bernie Siegel, the author of many books, latest of which is The Art of Healing, Uncovering Your Inner Wisdom and Potential for Self-Healing. He is also the author of Love, Medicine, and Miracles. And we had him on the show uh, a year or two ago to discuss his book then as well. And your your books are always full of these themes, Bernie, regarding the power of love, the power of the uh, dream and the unconscious, or intuition, however you want to put it, and it's just uh, incredibly inspiring for people to hear you speak about one case after another, one person, really, after another, who has engaged in these kinds of explorations with your guidance oftentimes, withdrawing through dreaming and interpreting the dreams, just like a a soothsayer of old and it has these kinds of um, abilities, these dreams, to call uh, information in a way that could be incredibly useful in the present. What are a couple of other examples that have impressed you over the years that you have also put into this book?
2: Well, it's, there's a lot of writing in it. Um, one is about consciousness. You know, that we talked about that, but that it is not local. I mean, that consciousness is,
1: yes. Non-locality you know, is not limited to the individual.
2: And I even mentioned several yeah. things about Animals, you know, how um, an animal intuitive friend of mine in California has told me twice now where to find a lost cat in Connecticut. Her description is absolutely Uh incredible. I mean, you you cannot see what I the reason I changed was I was going to mention this earlier is I live by my experience, not my beliefs, because Mm -hmm. a lot of doctors would say to me, Bernie, I can't accept that. I said, look. Maybe you can't explain what happened, but why say you can't accept it? It happened. I'm telling you a case history. And that's why I became a storyteller, because when you try to convince doctors, you know they'll start arguing with you. Yeah, I was going to mention this to you that people don't know. A Yale student, Uh because when I was trying to do research, if people didn't think what I was doing made sense, I got no support for the research. But this (laughs) student at Yale said, look, I'll do the research as my master's thesis. So he, he compared our breast cancer group members, the ECAP group, uh, with a control group. He came out with statistics that showed really significant improvement in survival with the members of our group. The professor mm. who was overseeing his thesis said to him, That can't be true. Can you imagine a professor saying that to a student? That no. can't be true. No. Change the control group. So he changed the control group to make the professor happy, and then everything uh-huh. just came out even. See? And then I get criticized. When you say he oh, changed the control work. group,
1: you mean he changed the people who were in the control group?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and when he changed
1: it, it out, what was the result then? Yeah,
2: well, he, he then made them into survivors. You know, he picked out ones who survived longer. So they then compared to the people in our group. I'm always saying that you don't have to join a group to be an exceptional cancer patient, if you know what I mean. Sure, exactly. So what his professor made him do was compare exceptional patients with exceptional patients, and then they were all the same. But when the control group was just a random selection, they did not do as well. And then when people began to do research to prove I was wrong, and it came out right, because they had no interest in proving me right, then people stepped back and said, hmm, maybe – You know, the relationship, support group, attitude, have something to do with it. And also, you use the term self-healing, which I want to emphasize to people. Doctors, if you get better when you're not supposed to, you become a spontaneous remission or a miracle. So Mm -hmm. nobody learns a damn thing from it. But Solzhenitsyn, in his book, Cancer Ward, impressed me with his intuitive wisdom. He uses a Mm -hmm. symbol. One of the men tells the other guys on the ward, the cancer ward, I found a book in the medical library. It says here there are cases of self induced healing, not recovery through treatment, but actual healing. And it was as mm-hmm. though self induced healing flooded through the great out of the great open book like a rainbow colored butterfly. When I read that it was like thank you. Oh you know what I'm talking about. Beautiful. See the rainbow yes. is your life in order and every color has meaning. People have to understand that. I always yeah. remember my friend Elizabeth Kubler-Ross saying, Bernie, you could go anywhere on this planet with a box of crayons and communicate with people because yeah. you know that, that we, it has the same meaning for everyone. And so you got the rainbow, and then the butterfly is a symbol of transformation. So you want to extend your life, have a self-induced healing, then change your life, create a life that you love, harmony, order, and you'll be amazed at what happens
1: so interesting,
2: so interesting.
1: You're also raising an interesting and valuable distinction between the notion of healing and you're implying what a doctor does in a hospital, which they've actually backed away from the word curing, because there are so few cures anymore. But healing is a much larger word, and I happen to know that the etymology of the word going back to the ancient Greek uh, of the word healing comes from and is related to the same word as holy and to make whole and hallowed. So you see that the notion of healing is way more holistic, if you will, Um, comprehensive for a person, heart, mind, body, and soul. And this is no longer, and it used to be, as you know, uh, a notion in medicine. That the soul has no place. And to me, that's when medicine, Western medicine, started to go downhill.
2: Right. And when people heal their lives, they derive physical benefits. I mean, two practical things people understand. Again, this was a graduate student. He took two actors, a male and a female, gave them a comedy routine to perform, just to read it (laughs) quick. Their immune function went up. Their stress hormone levels went down. He drew Mm -hmm. their blood while they were reading the script. Then he gave Uh them a tragedy in which the man murdered the woman's husband, and they meet. And, of course, their immune function went down, and stress hormone levels went up. Now, what impressed Uh the hell out of me was these are just two people reading a script. It's not even their life, and it's changing their chemistry. And that's what people have to realize. You know, somebody – well, I have a letter that you'll love this because – Yes. This is a woman who was quite ill for a long time, and she wrote me and said, this time when the doctor said you have a few months to live, I agreed because I felt terrible. So I bought uh-huh. a dog, and I put in a wild backli- backyard wildlife habitat, and I laughed more, and I took vitamins, and, you know, she went out with other things. And her letter yes. ends with, and I didn't die, and I'm so busy, I'm killing myself. Help, where do I go from here? You see, that, <laughs> you know, I told her just to take a nap, but it, it you know, when she... See, when she accepted her mortality and spent yeah. the time doing what she loved, and it may add, yeah. you know, in terms of relationships, even a dog. I mean, women live longer than men with the same cancers. Oh, you want to get, oh, you'll love this, how intellectual yes. and stupid some doctors are. And forgive me for that term, but a doctor wrote an article on malignant Intellectual melanoma. or stupid? <laughs> yes, yeah. Please go on. He uh, on well, just the stupid. But um, he wrote an article on malignant melanoma, and he pointed out that women with the same stage, depth, site, etc., as men of the melanoma lived longer. What was his mm. conclusion? Estrogen and progesterone must somehow be protecting the women. I thought, mm-hmm. what kind of an idiot are you? Don't you have a family? Don't you have a pet? Do you have anybody in your life yeah. so you understand right. relationships? Because my comment to him, if I ever met him, would be, excuse me, I want to tell you, married men live longer than single men with the same cancer. So sleeping yes. with estrogen and progesterone must be protecting them. you know." And yes. everybody laughs when you say that. But <laughs> right. it's about relationships. you know. And exactly. if people have a heart attack, go home to a dog, they had one-fifth of the mortality rate after a year of one doctor who did the study, 5% versus 26% with no dog. Um, yeah, then I read another article. They had a, That's they huge. Had a 25% that is huge. That's huge. chance To yeah. having a heart attack. And when stockbrokers were sent home with, you know, blood pressure, medication, and a dog, their pressure went down further than stockbrokers who only took medication. So, and again, it's the chemistry. You pet a dog. Yeah. Studies have been done. Your bonding hormones go up, oxytocin, serotonin. So, again, you feel better. You relate to people. I mean, anybody with a dog knows when you go for a walk. I mean, everybody's talking to your dogs and then to you to the dog, right?
1: That's right. It's all dog talk. Exactly. But what you're really, there's something underneath a lot of what you're saying, which is that our relationship to a pet, and I dare say even more to another biped human being, brings the love factor, and as you say, the serotonin and oxytocin levels are Mm -hmm. my two favorite hormones, up to the place I think they're supposed to be in a normal human life, the joy factor. Look, we have Norman Cousins for... The Anatomy of an Illness. Remember, and he was yeah. also one of the leaders in promoting the idea of laughter. I just got finished writing an right. article for the Huffington Post about the role, the physiological effect of love and laughter
2: in our lives. Well, we I hope this. included this that the cancer patients. This was, I think, it was done in one of the European countries. Cancer yeah. patients were told to laugh five and six times a day for no reason. They ended up living longer than the control group, which you know laughed if something funny happened in their life. But right. Well, and my wife used to do stand-up comedy. Um, I always said she was a female Henny Youngman during my lectures. (laughs) You know, at first we used it as a break. If you know what I mean, I used to think of it as an intermission. She'd go up and get people to laugh about this. Yeah, yeah. But one one night it was too awkward to climb down and take her seat while she went up on the stage. So I just stayed on the stage. And I'll tell you, it impressed the hell out of me to watch the audience get younger, sit up straighter, look healthier after 15 minutes of laughter. (laughs) So, you know, from then on, it became (sighs) really a significant part of the talk saying, you know, pay attention to how you feel now and how you feel when you're done laughing. Yes. Yeah, and exactly. you know, she used to give the men a hard time because, uh, again, the majority of the audience is always women when it's going to be yep. something about feelings and emotions and you know, right. even drawing pictures. You know, I'm not an artist. Sure. and I'm afraid I'll That's do it right. wrong. That's right. and, oh, I, I have but to tell you is, is, when you talk about yeah. men, I said to a male engineer, "I need a drawing, you know, of you, your treatment, your immune yes. system, your cancer cells." He gave me a full written page of instructions on how to draw the picture. I think it's in the book. You know, and I always show this when I'm lecturing. I say, who do you think did this when I asked him to draw a picture? And everybody bursts out laughing when I say, yeah, a male engineer. But it had an impact on him, thank God. You know what I mean? Sure. Wow. Did he see the humor in it is the question.
1: Did he he see the humor?
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. But it made him change. And years later, I showed it at a lecture, and somebody in the audience said, that's my father's handwriting. It was oh, this kid who, who made oh. me make a print <laughs> of it for him to put up on the wall at home because it said it had such a wonderful effect on his father that he wanted
1: to copy <laughs> of right, it. Right, the, the, That was wonderful. There. I often t- tell people, Bernie, that uh, my gurus are people like Jackie Mason and Woody Allen. They're my real mentors. Yep and to be able to take a look at life, which is so irrational. Look at what just happened in Washington, D.C. It's so preposterous. Nobody could believe what actually goes on. No fiction writer could approximate what actually gets passed off as so-called real life. So
0: if you have a
1: healthy attitude, which is, I think, essential, then you can see the whole thing in the lighter more, you know, levity-related way and improve your immune system at the same time. Yeah,
2: that's an important point also from the standpoint of professions. I mean, one of the things I often felt is that we in medical school, as well as in even going into politics, they don't ask you, you know, they'll say, why do you want to be, you know, a doctor? And so you fill out the form to make them happy. But they don't really, while you're in medical school, say, what are the healthy reasons for becoming a doctor? What are the unhealthy? Why do you want a certain specialty? You know, I always say, somebody like Kavorkian, if he'd had some analysis in medical school, why do you want yes. to be a pathologist? Why are you so involved in death? He could have run a hospice instead of killing people sure. you know, and ending up in right. jail. Um, yes, so, exactly. again, you know, you know I myself point. as a surgeon saying, oh, I like people, yeah. I want to fix things. Well, Bernie, you can't fix everything. What are you going to do then? Ugh. Yeah. Oh, this I love saying to people because, again, Carl Menninger was helping me with a lot of issues. And he said, yes. Bernie, consider this. What if you became a surgeon as a reaction formation to your destructive tendencies? So I love when people say to me, "Why are you a surgeon?" I say, "I love you know tearing people up, cutting them up. I don't want to end up in jail, so I became a surgeon. Now I get paid for." It. And they look at you like, "Oh my God!" You know, they're not quite sure, you know, if you're serious. But you know, think about because he said, you know, why would you pick oncology? Why pick a, you know a disease? It's
0: hard in to cure. Words, sir, you some need to fail. Ref-
1: there's some form of, yeah, well, that's an interesting interpretation, but there's some self-reflection in the professions that we select, and I think Carl Menninger is correct, and Freud would say the same thing, and Jung would say mm-hmm. the same thing, you know, yep. you you liked playing with knives, so you could have either been, you know, Uh, pardon the expression, a cut-up, you know, know, on the streets of New York, or you could become a surgeon and do something, uh, make a constructive contribution to society, which, of course, you did.
2: Yeah, no, that's just what Menninger said. He said, aggression is normal. I mean, I thought, what do you mean, aggression is normal? He said, Bernie, you know, you could be a football player. You could cut down a tree. You can build a house, you know, put your energy into it. Uh, you but don't take have to repeat that
0: yeah right?
1: right take a yeah. look at what is the motivation Let's say the unconscious motivation behind the actions. It's a very good inquiry, and I think we all can benefit from it, you know? What's really interesting to step back from your work, Bernie, over the course of many years, first of all, if I may say, I like setting a context, and a lot of the work that you have been doing over the years, a lot of it originates from way, way back, long before our so called modern Western. A society, you know, going back to the Greeks and even before, but rather than go that far, let's just go back to the Simonsons,
0: because I yep, met them yep. at
1: a, an American Psychiatric Association meeting, even though they're not psychiatrists, but they were doing a presentation back, my God, this yeah. was uh, in the early 80s, and I was yep. very impressed with their work, and I know so they had a the, big before. influence on you.
2: Yes, I mean, that was one of my, the first things that started me on my path, they and Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. And I attended, yes. see, this is what, again, I found incredible. Carl, Carl yes. uh, Simonton is coming to Connecticut for to a conference, yes. you know, to help cancer patients. He was doing the imagery yes. and other things. And he's he's a doctor, radiation therapist. I thought, oh, this is a nice conference for doctors. It will give me more tools to help patients. I won't feel so yes. bad. I In standard the standard medical way,
1: right. Yeah. Uh-huh.
2: There were 125 people in the room. I was the only medical doctor attending the conference.
1: Oh, my. I
2: could not believe it. There were several <laughs> psychotherapists, and all the rest were cancer patients. But that's what ended up why my life changed, because my patients were now sitting with me. You know what I mean? Not on the. I, you know, do. I put my desk against the wall when I got back to yes. my office, they were not oh on the other God. side. And this is a yes. quote from one of them, and I always say I wish I could find her sometime. She said, "Yes, you're a nice guy. I feel better when in the office with you, but I can't take you home with me, so I need to know how to live between offices.
0: <laughs> yes. See,
2: that's what started me trying that's to help my key. patients live right. because I figured if they were living, they'd live longer. And yes. they didn't show up. I mean it. When you send out 100 letters saying, come on, I'll help you live a longer, better life, I was expecting yep. hundreds of people, and less sure. than a dozen women showed up. And I realized that's why my wife labeled them exceptional. Th- these were yes. people who weren't afraid to, you know, take responsibility. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. use the word patient. See, to me, the patient is a submissive sufferer. But I use the word yes. respite. Be a responsible participant in your life uh-huh. and your I like health. that. Yeah. I like that, yeah.
1: Oh, I have never used the word uh, patient for my own work, and I very much appreciate and respect that because it it creates an authority relationship that right. is the well i don 't even have to comment do i <laughs> but
2: um well exactly you know, m d is medical deity yeah. You know, that... Uh, That's right, medical when, You know, I'm God right. and I only have time for three questions. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. It's just... You know, and again, right. studies and show And this isn't even right. Passover. Right. Yeah. And if the doctor is right. compassionate, people recover faster. You know, you know, because, again, all these little studies over and over. Did the doctor listen to you? Was the doctor compassionate? Yes. They get better faster. Whatever the disease. I mean, it could be the flu. It could be something more serious. But when the doctor doesn't listen, isn't compassionate, people don't respond. You know, they're That's sensing right. that consciousness in a negative way, and it affects them, too.
1: One of the good things of many that your work over the course of decades has demonstrated to us statistically is that these kinds of choices that you go into in this book, The Art of Healing, and by the way, everyone, I want to just remind you we are spending the entire program with Dr. Bernie Siegel, uh, the pioneer par excellence of bringing what are known as alternative healing methods into the world of medicine. Uh, this last book is called The Art of Healing, Uncovering Your Inner Wisdom and Potential for Self-Healing. And as you know, this is Mitchell J. Rabin for a Better World and we're on every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Bernie, with all of the work you have done hands-on with people over the course of years from people with cancer and other kinds of illnesses, Not only have you, of course, personally empowered them and helped them understand something about the nature of healing, but you have really demonstrated to the larger medical community, as well as everyone, that these therapies have as much, and in some cases even more, statistically shown efficacy, than Standard medical practice, and even if they're not to replace them, they should certainly be conjoined with them. Could right. you comment on that? Because this is a profound yeah, statement because
2: I was thinking that back, needs to be digested. Yeah, back when AIDS, on. you know, first broke out as an epidemic, I work with lots of yes. AIDS patients, and again. Yes. Well, and psychiatrist, George Solomon in California, came up with a list called immune-competent personality. That's on my website, too, Mm,
0: because he noticed
2: also that certain personalities did better, you know, with AIDS in terms of surviving. Oh, and and when you go further back in the literature, Bruno Klopfer, a psychologist, he was given 24 or 5 personality profiles of cancer patients. He correctly predicted 20 out of 24 times who would have a rapidly growing tumor, who would have a slow growing tumor. Twice he said, I can't yes. tell, twice he was wrong. And, you know, but you see, this is a big part of the problem. Again, there, there were many psychotherapists, psychiatrists who had written books, The Will to Live, you know, and Getting Well Again and things like that yes. because they worked with patients on that emotional level and saw the benefit mm-hmm. of it. But Mm -hmm. I always say it's like an electrician and a plumber, you know, that I'm a surgeon, they're a psychiatrist. So nobody teaches me what, you know, the psychiatrist experiences and knows, like the electrician can't fix your plumbing kind of thing. But medicine is taking care of a person. They need to know the entire person because it's all, you know, a part of the ultimate effect uh, in what happens. And – what I also realized was that nobody was against success, so I did all my crazy things at the hospital from music mm-hmm. in the operating room. Oh, 30 years later, uh-huh. a study showed the benefits of music. I was called yeah. an explosion hazard, see, because you're bringing in a tape recorder. <laughs> it's an electrical appliance. We have explosive gases. But within oh a week my. or two, nobody complained because they all felt better. So they yes. said, Uh, eh, bring it. It's okay.
0: And yeah, right. the, my patients did better.
2: Yeah, so, yep. again, yep. things became hospital policy, because I would laugh. I mean, I, you know, I'd come into one of my patients, and they'd say, oh, this place is so nice. I'd say, what What do you mean? Oh, you know, how they were taking care of me. And I'd think, yeah, those are all the things that, you know, I had taught the staff to do. And then Interesting. They, and, so and that's so, but my very patient important. said, when I asked them why they did it, they said, oh, it's hospital policy. Then I would burst out laughing. Because I never got credit for anything. You never were acknowledged, <laughs> hospital right? Hospital policy, right? Yes. But, you know, but as long, long as they did news. it, fine. Yeah, that's what it's matters.
0: Okay. This
1: is interesting in light of what we were speaking about earlier regarding your being asked to teach at medical school. Instead, you could say, except for the, you know, the periodic lecture, you right. were influencing the larger system of the hospital. Oh.
2: Through such
1: things as
2: that. Yeah. You just reminded me of something. When I started, um, uh, medical students started coming to work with me. They would have a rotation of a month at a time. They'd spend a month with Mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. The dean of the medical school called me. He said, Bernie, all these students are signing up here. Because I guess they had to register so their school knew they were attending, you know. I said, yes, yes. I said, they're coming to work with me. And um, he said, would you like to be a course? I said, sure. And then he gave Uh me like a pile of papers four inches high to fill out. I said, look, I am not (laughs) spending my time filling out all these papers. The students are coming. I don't need this. The students (laughs) kept coming. I get a call from the dean. We're making you a course. No papers to fill out at all now, see, because it's like if I'm getting well-known, why shouldn't they have the credit? So then I filled out a description, which included lots of stuff, see, and then the chief of surgery called me up. Bernie, can I talk to you? So I go to his office. What is it? We wanted to turn your course over to psychiatry because of the description you put in, you know, including Carl Jung and other things. And I started laughing because he said – the psychiatrist said, you're a surgeon. What's he going to do in psychiatry? And I just burst out laughing. I said, good. I did that oh, to drive God. everybody crazy. I said, you can get sure. it out any sentence you want. But it was called surgery, mechanical or healing art. And the person I they said would spend a month with me, and and I mean really like my shadow. You know, I would go to yes. bed. They'd go to their room. But, um, you know, when I'd get up in the morning, we'd start again. So they saw me and my troubles as well as the good parts of being a surgeon. You know, they really sensed what it was like. And the other was, which was really something that I found beneficial, they were an observer, see, because I can recall coming out of a hospital room and the student saying, you aren't listening. You didn't answer what they were asking you. And I said, what are you talking about? he said, I'm telling you, you aren't responding. I said, well, let's go back in. And I'd walk back in the room and I'd say to Mm -hmm. the patient, the student is telling me that I wasn't listening. The patient always said, yeah, he's right or she's right. And then they would tell me and I would respond. But I thought that is so, I mean, you know, I didn't accept yeah. it as criticism. I thought this is so wonderful that I'm not walking away from a patient and they're feeling he didn't respond and answer what I needed. And this mm-hmm. way you go back in and the patients would love it, you know, to be exactly. able to walk and share.
0: yeah.
1: It's creating the feedback loop that is required, and you could almost look at all of society as missing that feedback loop where, yeah. through which we can help regulate ourselves and each other in a yeah, healthy lit- kind of way. Right, the
2: listening, I, I learned from Helen Keller, because a quote yeah. of hers, it won't say the whole thing, but it ended with, deafness yeah. is darker by far than blindness. And I learned what I needed to do was listen to people. Then they gave me credit for what they heard themselves saying. You know what I mean? It, it helped them know themselves and make the right the choice. choices. And then they'd say to me, that was an incredible conversation. Thank you. And I hadn't said a damn thing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: mhm. Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: you know, but they heard it and it made the difference. Versus, because I used to test it too. You know, when some patient or one of the kids in our family would say to me, "Dad, I got a problem with the patient," I'd say, "Okay, this is what you need to do." And invariably, they'd say, "You know, you're really not helpful." But when I listened to it twenty minutes, they'd always say, "Thank you, that was great. You're a big help." And, you're and, absolutely and they knew what right. To do. Yeah, and you're basically uh, outlining the true
1: art of psychotherapy. And it's not advice-giving, but it's listening. And it's the purity and preciousness of one's attention and mindfulness on the matter of another person and their story. Not the story of excuses of why they didn't do something, but their inner story. You could almost say the unfolding of their soul story about what it is, the trials and tribulations of their lives.
2: Right. Would you You say? The the thing that I call it, yeah, I called it reparenting because a suicidal teenager said to me one day that you're my CD. And I said, what do you mean I'm a CD? She said, you're my chosen dad. And Uh, so I do that all the time now, and I recommend it to you. It doesn't matter how, you know, people could be older than you are, but when you say, hey, if you need a father, I'll be your father, it lets them know you love them. I always say, I don't have to like what they're doing, but I would love them. And I learned as That's a physician right. that when I took that role of showing them, I care about you, you're worth something, you know, and always give them return appointments. Because think, yeah. you know, whether you're a therapist or a doctor, sure. somebody comes in That's to see right. you, they don't do a damn thing you suggest, you know, and they keep it up. They don't change. They don't do a damn thing. So what do most people mm-hmm. say? Goodbye. Goodbye. You know, the opposite of love is indifference, rejection, and abuse. So they get rejected. Don't come back. You're wasting my time. But I would always say, I'll see you next week. And three, six months later, they began to realize, I must be worth something. He keeps telling me to come back. That's when they started to change. And then the the really dramatic changes would happen uh, because we had that relationship. And they began to see, hey, I'm worth something. And then they care for themselves. Because let me add a study of Harvard students. Did your parents love you while they were in college? They're asked. Those who said uh-huh. yes, 25, 35 years later, middle age, one in four had suffered a major illness. Of those who said no, 98% had. So that's why oh I'm always saying my. people people don't need oh information. My. They need inspiration.
0: Yeah, You know, I that's keep saying...
2: Right. Laughing at the mayor of New put. York. I mean, he's trying to help people, but, you know, when they talk about making smaller bottles so people yeah. who drink less sugar or, you know. Right. I, I mean, yeah. it's, it's like, hey, they'll buy two bottles. I mean, what are you talking about? You need exactly. to get on the air and say, everybody who lives in New York, I love you. I'm your father. I want you to take That's care right. of yourself. That's
0: right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
2: Because
1: I've seen I want you to live a long business. and healthy life. Yeah,
2: yeah. our electric right. company, uh, years ago... Uh, there was an ad in the paper saying that they were going to build an outdoor shelter for the smokers so that they wouldn't smoke in the building. I
0: mm-hmm. wrote them.
2: I said, did it ever occur to you to offer your smokers money to take a non-smoking course instead of saying yes. go and kill yourself out in the yard? <laughs> right. You know, even I, I've got to add one more to make you smile because it drove me nuts. I'm already I, smiling. My I letter, Cat Fancy Magazine they had a letter full page from a woman who was a smoker with her husband they had nine cats one died of lung cancer the others are having breathing problems and i always say to people okay what do you do now your cat dies the others are having trouble breathing you know and if you're in front of an audience of healthy people they say well you stop smoking i said no this is cat fancy magazine it's not about uh-huh. people and right. the letter ends with the, the letter to the you know editor ends with Doug and I now smoke in the yard. We love our cats more than the convenience of smoking indoors. We're not killing our cats anymore. We hope you're not killing yours.
0: Oh, I thought, how wow. the hell
2: can you publish that without a comment that they're killing themselves?
0: Because sure. Maimonides, exactly.
2: the Jewish physician philosopher 900 years ago, wrote this sentence. It blew my mind when I came across it, thinking of how mm-hmm. we haven't changed. He said if people took as good care of themselves as they do their animals they would suffer fewer illnesses.
0: Oh that was 900 my God. years
2: ago and here we are still doing the same stupid things. You know, oh we love our pets God. more than ourselves. Yeah. And Is that's why that's something. You want to save the world, bring up every kid loved with a reverence for life because I oh can that's I give right. you a test question? Do you mind sure. if I test you?
1: No. You no, go no, out no. on
2: the street tomorrow and as you're walking on the street you see several earthworms. What do you do when you see them? I
1: smile. I do not ride over them with my bicycle, I'll tell you that. Right.
2: But you see, what what I've been doing for years is picking them up and putting them back on the ground. Thinking, I'm rather neurotic. But where, but where, where were they when it. you found them?
0: Where were they what when you, mean, you found
2: on, them? On on the sidewalk or the road, you know the pavement. Oh, okay.
1: But were they on their way over to
2: the dirt? Well, they were. The you know, they were like drying and dying, and you know, I don't think oh. I don't know if they would have made it to back to the dirt. Oh, I itself. see. Yeah. You see, and I live in I, a
1: park here in New York City, Bernie, so oh, well, any sidewalk part. is not far from a tree yeah, and a dirt Yeah, that's like a little path,
2: yeah. No, but I'm talking yeah. about being out on the road like when I'm walking the dog sure. or something. Oh, I understand, and yeah. I thought Good for it's for you, kind of neurotic, but it's okay, keep it up. But then I came across you know, Albert Schweitzer yeah. saying exactly the same thing. He said, if you see an earthworm, put it back on the ground. If you see an insect mm-hmm. in a puddle, give it a leaf to climb on and I yes. thought, oh, if we were all brought up that way, what a exactly. different world would
1: be! Reverence for life. Yeah. I ultimately received that kind of education from my study of Buddhist psychology. Frankly, yep. Yep. that's where yep. I got my main exposure to those kinds of ideas.
0: Yeah, and, I think people uh, look pressure. for common
2: themes. You know that yes. whether it's Buddha, the Bible, you know other Doesn't matter. To,
0: yeah, I mean exactly. Like,
2: if if it's a re- repetitive message, it must be working, so exactly. adopt it. Yeah. It must mean something that everybody yes. across the world and yes. across the yes. ages keep
1: repeating the same idea. You
2: know, two terms I have. One is, which you are, I know, a life coach, you know, helping people. Mm-hmm. And the other is Correct. a love warrior, that yes. you use love as your weapon. And, you know, that's why that's I, I love reading about Gandhi how he would drive the British crazy, you know, doing nice <laughs> things, and they don't know what right. to do with him because they're mad at him, and he's helping them and being, you know, nice to people who are having trouble, yep. and uh, yeah, and and even That's today right. I was reading where when he was criticized, he he even became better because he was learning more about himself, so he That's didn't get right. upset about being That's criticized. That's that feedback and, loop, right? yeah. You know, We were
1: talking about before. You know, before, since you brought that up, Bernie, I was thinking about, um, as you were speaking, of Afghanistan and when the entire uh, matter of 9-11 occurred, and it was resolved by the White House that we were going to go into Afghanistan to, I guess, start a war to find one person who they said was guilty. uh, I thought, why don't they send packages of food, and drop that down? Why don't they send medical supplies?
0: That's That's what the the people need.
1: Right, Right. exactly. Exactly. You know, I I qualify.
0: Yeah, (laughs) and and
2: I know, I always say to people, when somebody's driving you nuts, you know, saying, hey, you took my parking spot, what the hell's the matter with you? Say, I love you. Right. Right. Then they don't know what to do with (laughs) you. I mean, one specific example that that touched me and I hope it helped this boy because it was a teenager behind us in heavy traffic and he was screaming and cursing me as if it was my fault. You know, there's thirty cars lined up and I'm have to listen to him. I got out of the car, I went over to him with our kids saying, Daddy could have a gun but I went over to him and I said, I want you to know I love you. I said, I'm (laughs) sorry, your parents don't see and after I said oh, that you know, yeah. that I love you and I'm sorry your parents don't, he made a U turn and drove away. And I oh, thought, you know, God. maybe you shouldn't have said that. But then later I thought, you know, maybe that's the best thing that ever happened to him. Because if he yes. takes a look at his life, it may sure. save his life and change him totally to you know, that's so right. I've heard that statement and realized that guy knows it's true and how I'm being exactly. And exactly. On the other hand I've had It's a beautiful a, story a teenager clearly. call me to say I'm going to commit suicide because he had AIDS due to sexual abuse from parents and others, um, mm-hmm. and uh, he he was like a sexual slave. And he called me and said, "I'm going to commit suicide." I said, "Tony, why don't we kill your parents? I can get you a gun." And he said, mm-hmm. "No, I never want to be like them. I never forget those words. I never want to be oh like them. You wow. know that that yeah. that he he didn't want to hurt anyone. And I may add, yeah. He, yeah. he was going to jump in front of uh, the A train, the subway in New York. And the train didn't oh. show up, so thank oh, God. What good he, news! What good he news! He called the eight hundred suicide hotline, and uh, they came and rescued him. But that's when, you in closing, you know, closing, brings, you know yeah. yes,
1: indeed, that's a whole other conversation. My God, in closing, we're just about out of time, Bernie. But I really would like you to share for the um, the more rigorous members of our audience who may or may not appreciate your wonderful art of storytelling, which is so healing and therapeutic and I so appreciate. Um, If you could just trot out a couple of the facts slash statistics of what you have observed. I know you said a few of them at the beginning of what the therapies that you cover in this book and prior books have to say to us of those people who need, need medical attention
2: if they were yeah. to
1: engage in some of the practices well, that you've been putting forward?
2: I think that, you know, in medicine, you don't get oriented towards successful treatment. I mean, if you went into the business world, you would imitate people who were successful. And when you learn you have a diagnosis, if you said to the doctor, well, what can I do, you know, to have the best chance of recovering? the doctor yes. doesn't say well here's a list see do this the doctor says take your pill i mean those are the the ads i'm depressed unable to cope i went to see my physician he prescribed an antidepressant that that's yeah. an ad that i wrote to the pharmaceutical company saying put in please tell me what is going on in your life you know the doctor asking for that not right, just saying take right. your pill so I'd say, the always line ask yourself, of the you know, what's going on in my life that might have made right. me vulnerable now? It's not, right. not about blame, guilt, and shame. It's what could have no. made me vulnerable. See, we have studies sure. now that show that loneliness affects the genes that control immune function. So yes. if you said, you know, my husband died. I mean, I got a divorce. I moved across the country to a new job. Yeah, well, take care of yourself. Develop relationships. Look at your life. Exactly. I always say exactly. that if you love your life and love your body, your body will do the best it can. See, another is, it's very practical, um, don't get up on Monday morning because we have more heart attacks, strokes, suicides, and illnesses on Monday. I mean, of course, if you don't get uh-huh. up Monday, Tuesday it will be a problem. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's to look at the choices in your life because I like the expression sure. that we're running out of time, you know, as the show is ending. And accept the fact you're here for a limited amount of time and let your heart make up your mind as to how you decide about that. Because,
0: mm. I, and I
2: learned that basically everyone who exceeded expectations had a story. Because when I would meet patients from our office I thought were dead and say, What are you doing here? You know, you didn't come back to the office. Well, there was no point in it, what everybody told me. But when I said, Well, what happened? They always had a story. And yes. I realized, again, it's living their true, authentic life that made a difference. True. I mean, to, to quote someone I always talk about, a landscaper, um, you retire. You're more likely to develop cancer during, reti- you know, after you retire. Those are things the yes. uh-huh. poets oh, and novelists know, doctors don't talk about. But he <laughs> yeah. refused treatment because he said it's springtime. want to go home and make the world beautiful. So when I die, mm-hmm. I live a beautiful world. To make a very long story short, Uh, he died at age 94 with no sign of cancer because he never uh, uh, retired. And and I have to say, he became my teacher. I spent time with him to see Mm -hmm. the world differently. You know, look at it through Mm. his eyes. So, again, I'd say follow your heart, do what's right for you, contribute your love to the world, live your authentic life. Don't lose your life because others impose a life on you. Express feelings, say no to what you don't want to do, don't internalize anger, um, you know, and then you become an authentic person and uh, live a longer, healthier life. Indeed, that is beautiful, Dr. Bernie Siegel. That's a an
1: excellent level and a notion to leave on. I want to just let you know, from the bottom of my heart, truly how much I appreciate your work for all of these years. I've been a great fan of yours. You've been a mentor to me, and uh,
2: I I have well, me, to you. Let me
0: compliment oftentimes.
2: you, Because it's so hard to get men to deal with these issues. You know, they don't come to the support yes. group when they come when their wife is sick they say i'm her chauffeur never dealing with right. emotional issues
0: you know sure. and it's
2: so damn rare for them to ever come to take care of themselves so i i've got to give yes. you a pat on the back to say that you know as a male <laughs> you yes. are doing what we need to do and uh, are a balanced Thank human you. being yeah
1: I very much appreciate that, my friend. I really do. I really do. So, uh, again, we have Dr. Bernie Siegel on as our guest today, uh, the author of several books, the latest of which is The Art of Healing. Uncovering your inner wisdom and potential for self healing. If you go to our website, a we have the Amazon link right there. And our website for you, Bernie, is.
2: Yeah, it's Bernie Siegel, S I E G E L M D. BernieSiegelMD.com. Easy to remember.
1: That's great. Bernie Siegel, thanks so much for joining us okay, again on The Better bless World. You, and we'll have you again. We'll have you again in the future.
2: Thank you. Absolutely. God bless now. Thank you. Oh, sure. Bye-bye now. Bye.
1: What a pleasure it is. What a pleasure it is, Dr. Bernie Siegel. I truly mean every word I said. He's been an inspiration to me and to countless others over the course of years, both uh, people who have been suffering or people who are interested in a broader education than what standard linear Uh, rather mechanical medical science brings to the foreground even though it has many excellent attributes, no question about that and professionals such as myself who have been working with people for over 30 years uh, and Bernie's words, Bernie's work has been truly inspiring and educational for so long because he was a pioneer and was willing to travel where others were not willing to tread. And uh, he really deserves all the kudos that uh, go with someone who's been so robust for so long. This is Mitchell J. Rabin. I I should also say that a conversation like this should not be ended without a appreciation expressed toward Dr. Milton Erickson and Dr. Ernest Rossi, who both have led the way in understanding and articulating while utilizing the power of the mind in hypnotherapy, with cancer patients and any medical patient um, across this country. For decades, both of them worked tirelessly at using the power of placebo, the power of suggestion, the power of the word in helping people without drugs and without surgery, oftentimes heal completely for long periods of time, sometimes forever. Until uh, other causes may have entered their lives to lead to their eventual passing Uh, but these two are uh, truly among the other pioneers who were before many of us to recognize and utilize as I said the power of the mind, the power of the subconscious the power of suggestion, of embedded command and this can be used of course for the good that's the way to go therapeutic or uh, we see in some contexts in society it's being used for other means through this, uh, the selling of um, products and the like on television commercials but leaving that aside let's just focus on the good value of using language and uh, perception and belief system as Dr. Bruce Lipton my dear friend and colleague in his work as a cellular biologist who came to understand the power of language and belief system on the life of the cell and was largely involved in the whole domain known as epigenetics.
0: He has
1: brought so much awareness to the interface of our mind, our emotions, our perception, our beliefs. To the life of our very DNA itself I mean is that fascinating or what The good news of all of that and of Bernie's work At large is that we can really Take responsibility for our own lives Our own health, our own well-being And we have a say in what goes on, oh yes, of course, there are powerful environmental influences, no question, be it the electromagnetic fields surrounding us and uh, poor quality GMO food inside of us and uh, you know fluoridated water being imbibed, etc cetera, etc cetera, et cetera. yes yes, and yes, we know these are all toxic and contaminated and can be ill-producing. But I'm going to say that with a healthy mind, and a really good attitude, and a lot of love, and a lot of laughter, you got it. That's right. We can laugh our way out of the most preposterous situations that would have otherwise killed us. But with a lot of love, whether it's uh, human love with your your friend, your lover, your family, your spouse, whomever, or the love for a dog or a cat or a parakeet, whatever your choice, love itself in relationship with whomever that relationship may be, God herself helps to build our health, our strength, our courage, and our well-being. And it's on that note that I would like to leave you all this very healing day. So glad that you joined me again on A Better World. Thank you again, Dr. Bernie Siegel, for your, your lifetime of contribution and good work to the art of healing. You've educated us all. It's such a deep pleasure and privilege to have him on A Better World Radio yet again. And remember that you can contact me at mjr at abetterworld.net yes, mjr my initials at abetterworld.net I love your feedback, I love your comments spread the word, grab this link from our website or from Blog Talk Radio and uh, forward it to the people that you know who might benefit from it people who might be sick, people who might be suffering people who might just simply be sad lonely anxious, depressed, who could get an uplift from Dr. Bernie Siegel's words or mine and both and the uh, rich dialogue we had that can truly inspire people to step up to their lives, step up to the plate and no matter how debilitated they may be, at least for the last days, weeks or months or years, they can continue on with some sense of the robust and face life, you know nose to nose, eye to eye, cheek to cheek and as we say in the Taoist tradition, belly to belly and uh, make the most of what they have. Thanks again for joining us make sure to visit us at our website and sign up for our newsletter free every week Uh, which announces who our guest will be when we have a guest on A Better World Radio and who our guest will be for A Better World TV, aired every Tuesday night at this point at 10.30, although that may be changing relatively soon. You can watch it on television, of course, in Manhattan or online on our site. Again, thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you all next week.